the decline of the annual release. Find out what we think. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Triangle Squared. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck. Joined beside me, Mr. Saul Bridges. Saul, have you had a good week? I know that we've played a little bit of Destiny, but it uh, seemed like you were pretty busy and didn't get any days off this week. So how was yours? Pretty good. Uh, I had one day off and that was yesterday. Um, but I did play a good chunk of Destiny and okay. uh, a lot of Star Oh, we, Are we skipping straight into what we've been playing? We sure are. Maybe okay. Well, before I do that, I'm going to go. If you've oh, never yeah. watched us, this is Triangle Squared, a uh, PlayStation-centric podcast. We release every Monday at 12 p.m. CST, 10 a.m. PST to YouTube in video format or sound-only format on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, a bunch of podcast Most services. podcast services. If you listen to us on iTunes, if you'd give us a rating uh, and let us know what we're doing well and what we're doing not so well, as well as getting our, you know, helps get our numbers up there so people can find us a little bit easier. But, Saul, so I guess now that we're out of that, good sir, you've been playing Destiny and what? Stardew Valley on the Switch. Okay, okay. And I downloaded the um, Battlefronts beta, um, which I'm actually going to go ahead and get a reader mail question done. Is that uh, Jeremy Fale or Fale or Jerome? I'm sorry, <laughs> Jerome. He said, have you been playing the Battlefront 2 beta? Thoughts? So I know you haven't played it yet, have you? Yeah, I haven't played it, but I'm going to go ahead and say that I haven't played it because I you don't really... typically do these. I didn't kind of really. Betas. I played the last game very loosely because yeah. uh, Jonathan had it, and at the time he was living here, um, I didn't really like it all that much. It was it was good for like two two or three hours, very shallow, and then yeah, then I could go back to it and play it for like two rounds, and then I was bored. Um, this game, uh, class system's pretty cool. Um, and there's an actual some, campaign in this. There's one, an actual huh? campaign. And that in was this. the thing for me too. Is that I wasn't going to buy the last game because. I, I need a campaign. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I may I may hate playing Destinies again. You know, the campaign was fun the first time around, and it's just really bad to me in consecutive plays just because everything that made the first playthrough okay was just kind of like, I don't want to say shock value, but it's like knowing the stuff, the story doesn't hold up near as well the second time yeah. around. But it was fun the first time, and that's what's important. Yeah. But... Even then, I still want at least a story to, to kind of go through. I, I feel like it helps me want to connect with the game a little bit better yeah, personally. But I played two rounds. That's all I played. And I got kind of bored the second round through. But that's also because I was playing the exact same game mode on the exact same map with the exact same army or whatever. I was oh, so the, Trials. I was, I was the droids. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, that keeps me interested. To, to, to be Fueled fair, by rage. Trials a little bit different because the thing about Trials is because of how specifically competitive it is, I actually like that it wasn't changing maps because you were able to learn the map and learn where and to be most strategic. It's differently played each time you play against yeah, somebody so, else. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think I probably prefer it because of how competitive it is to be on one map so that for the week so you can kind of learn it and kind of, well, not say for the week, but for the weekend. So. Right, but yeah, so, so Stardew Valley and then uh, Destiny, the Star Wars Battlefront beta, and Golf Story as well. Oh but, yeah, I forgot you did Golf Story. You yeah. like that though, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. I pretty much put it down for Stardew though because Stardew feels so much at home on a handheld that hey, it works. It's coming so to Vita. Well. I'm gonna get that. Uh, I'm gonna get those trophies. I'm gonna wait till it comes out on Vita, but. They're, they're still it, talking about it, so I'm fairly it positive if it, it's coming. If it ends up getting getting the can, 
use your Switch because it is it is so good on a handheld. Um, but what about you, sir? What have you been playing this week? Well, I haven't been playing too terribly much. It's been Destiny because we wanted to try and finally get the raid done with Saul. You finally, finally got the raid done. Did it. And it's ironic that I did it finally, and then we redid it again <laughs> so quickly right after with no issues. Yeah, so, so you've have you've beaten it twice now. So we're yes, we're I've actually beaten it tw- two and a half times. We're probably going to beat it again tonight. Oh uh, man, if we're talking about half times. I'm up there. We're way up there. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. We got another callus checkpoint, of course, to do tonight to help out jo- uh, other Joe and uh, Brennan. So. Prophecy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So I'm fine with that. It'll be fun. I need to. I might even do that on my Titan. Try yeah. And, try and do something there. All right. Well, cool. I've been playing. Uh, yeah, Destiny Two, of course. Been doing enough of that. And then, of, like last episode, I'm pretty sure it was that I said as soon as we got done, we were gonna head to GameStop and finally pick up East Eight since I was done with Knack Two. Uh, and happy to say that I have been because Destiny has been a lot of like, hey, helping schedule people do raid stuff. Um, I haven't played as much as I intended to, but I played a good five or six hours of it, and I love it. Um, what I was going to tell you before the show started, but I was like, I screw it. Let's just go ahead and get into the show is, uh, one of the things I really like about it and other JRPGs have done this, even the tales games where you can control every character right. that's in your party. But normally when you, when you switch to that character, you assume where they're at on the map. So if, if you're in a fight, like, okay, so tales of Zillia, you could change which character you were controlling, but in your circle, since it wasn't open world yet in Zillia, in your in your battle circle, you'd switch to where they were. So if they were yeah, across yeah, the map, okay, I mean, you'd, okay. you'd switch into them, and that's where you'd be. Yeah, which in a way is good. But what I like about this one is because of the way that there's like a battle triangle, or basically every monster for the most part's got some kind of a weakness, and every person in your party's got a different like type of how their moves work. Uh, so one's like uh, smashing damage, one's like piercing damage oh. to an extent. It's not really the words, but the symbols make more sense. And you remember the symbols more than the words. Okay. And you know which characters use what type of uh, weapons and specials. So what ends up happening, though, is because you have to cycle through that, uh, if you hit triangle, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, if you hit square, you cycle through the people. Uh, but when you cycle through them, it you instantly become them right where you're standing. So if you're running, you can literally switch the whole time you're running, and it never stops you running or anything. That's pretty cool. Which kid. is interesting because when you're doing a battle, you can also uh, dodge roll in this game, which yeah. is really cool. Because um, I mean, the game is like a better-looking, better-playing version of Memories of Salsetta, uh, which was a Vita exclusive. Um, so the way that it ends up turning around, you have like a special thing, and you equip four specials, and they're tied to the face button plus one of the shoulders. Like you'll do shoulder, square, shoulder, X, whatever, and those level up, uh, and then you also level up generally. And then you have stuff like where you can tailor and get certain items made, or you can uh, you can do like blacksmithing on your weapons and stuff to get them up. So where we're at so far, it had a little bit of, I won't say a slow start, but a little bit of a weird start. But once it got to the, the meat of where you're actually playing and attacking, Game's great so far. It's got voice acting uh, for a good bit of it, which is cool. Um, is it good voice acting? Yeah, pretty okay. good. Yeah, I mean, not bad. I've heard better, but not bad, and that that's good enough. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. As long as it's not cringeworthy, I'm normally okay. So, just- yeah, no, they did a good job. Uh, and then I was surprised. I picked this one up on PS4. I don't want to say I have necessarily remorse, uh, but I did check out Vita gameplay, and I'm impressed by how well the Vita does, even if the PS4 version is obviously better. Uh, in a lot of ways, the PS Vita version just really, I was surprised at how well they were able to pull it off and that it looks mostly the same uh, without, I mean, obviously you're getting a like, density of the world goes down a little bit because the Vita can't have as much. And then like I was telling you, it breaks the 
sections that you're in because like you go through and like they'll be a lot bigger with less breaks in, in them on the PS4 and then when you go through a section definitely if you have tutorials turned off it literally loads in less than a second okay. to that new area but on the Vita it breaks every area up into more areas where you see like little dots across an area and then when okay, you go it's into like Monster it, Hunter. yeah kind of yeah, okay. and it breaks into the new area and it takes a little bit longer to load where like you know a good five to six seconds on Vita. <laughs> I thought you were going to say five to six minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. Five to six seconds, which is, in the grand scheme of things, a lot slower than the PS4 uh, th- one, uh, but there's been games that have loaded a lot worse on Vita. Well, so. And, of course, you could play it while you're on the toilet, and that is worth those load times. I'm almost... I want to see. I may just buy the game a second time on Vita, and if, as long as my... I don't think it's cross-save, though. Uh, if it is, I very well may do I that. think every cross-play game should be cross-save, even though it's not cross-play, really. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That one's not a crossplay. There's, there's no way for it to be. Well, crossplay, you know, like Sly Cooper, there was no online, but it was still crossplay because you could throw your save. I didn't look and see if this one was considered cross or no. It's cross save. They they do it differently. So you're not actually. Playing I wonder. Crossover. Well, I wonder if uh, since it has the same name, I wonder if you could upload your save to the cloud and pull and, it through. And it, Is that it necessarily it? Not the same. The game has to have the functionality. Right. Yeah. No. I know. I'm just saying. As I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that would be possible in the future. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah, I mean, Even I though different know. servers, different, you know. Who knows? Games. Who knows? Anyway, that's all I've been playing. So, Saul, you want to go ahead and uh, drop into the drop? I sure do. Number one on the list, we have Alteric for PS4 and PS Vita. We have Always Sometimes Monsters for PS4. Which that, is a great name. Is it? I was going to say. It I, looks, it's, just, it's just weird. <laughs> I don't know. It looks. Uh, it's memorable. I like pixel art. You know what I mean? It just looks memorable. We have Bad Apple Wars for PS Vita, both out digitally and retail. We have Cyber Dimension Neptunia 4, Goddesses Online for PS4. Retail, so doesn't look like it's available digital. I don't know what the hell this game is. Echo for PS4. Almost looks like some Destiny stuff. Kind of does. Kind of looks, at least from this Test box Everest art. or whatever. Yeah, I, was, I could see that. Uh, we have The Evil Within 2. For the people who is, are really excited in that, I don't know. The first game just didn't do it for me, so I, I have no real interest to jump into this one, but it does look a lot better. Uh, I've been playing through the first one a little bit every now and then. So oh, I did you actually pick it up? I downloaded it when it was like $14. On sale? Okay. Yeah, and then now that I have the Pro, I'm playing in boost mode, which does pretty well, which helps it out pretty pretty well. Okay, cool. Um, But yeah, this game comes out only digital, which is weird. I don't know if this is an error in the drop because I can't see that game not being retail. Unless it has two weird releases. Unless dates. for some reason it's an early release digitally and then a different yeah. one. But I don't think, I didn't see that anywhere. I didn't either. Um, next up we have Fort Defense for PS4. We have Friday the 13th, the game, out hey. finally for retail for PS4. I might actually get it now. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't know you were interested in that game at all. Yeah, loosely. But okay. I, I don't, I just don't like downloadable games. Huh. We have uh, The Invisible Hours for PSVR, which has some almost rip-off-ish looking characters from actors. I'll say, uh, this dude right here definitely looks like Ben Kingsley, if you know who that, that is. <laughs> yeah, go up a little bit more. I'll say Mark Hamill. It's <laughs> in the solely middle. over there on the side. It sure is. All right, okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, arguably another big title up this week is oh, Middle Earth Shadow of War. I'm excited PS4. for it. It's got a lot of really good reviews. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw yeah. that it has a good, uh, a pretty good chunk and uh, so I know there's, there's still a little bit of uh oh yeah really yeah that's he, not surprising he loved, at all, he loved though. the first one yeah no that game was great and he doesn't play video games too often yeah either, yeah I know so. he's kind of slowed down on that so but that's cool I'm go- I'm glad to see I'm gonna get it it looks really good yeah yeah um, and uh, I'm I'll, just trying to see if I'm gonna get it literally at release which I think I'm going to 
I don't know though. I really, I feel so bad because I feel like I'm not going to play East and I'm probably well, going to play Destiny. What I may do is I may have to drop out of Destiny for a good week or two to, know, to bounce between East and uh, Shadow. I know history is going to repeat itself, so I very well may wait till next year just to get the Game of the Year edition for like 40 bucks. I just don't, you know, mean, uh, we've already talked about this. I always forget about DLC and just never end up getting around to it because I don't know what it is. It's just something in me that's like, DLC doesn't, isn't important. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I, I, I it's like, I, I won't play it. I just like playing whatever was the original release as long as the original release is complete, unlike. And I still didn't buy the DLC because I was broke back then, but unlike, you know, uh, Prince of Persia 2008, where the real ending was tied behind DLC. There's. Th- did you hear the rumors about this game? About which one, Shadow? Yeah, uh, that the real ending is tied behind... Uh, a, a certain new mechanic, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it, just in case you're going blind, but it's the orc thing, without okay. saying too much, the tower defense style thing. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah, they're saying that, you're talking about. yeah, they're saying that in order to get the actual ending, you have to do through that, but to do through that, you have to have orcs that you're either going to have to grind out really, really long periods of time for, or get loot boxes for. Well, so. considering like the true ending like they did with Arkham Knight, where you had to 100% the game to see the true ending. Which, I don't think that was... I mean, I guess it's the true ending. It's it's relatively the same ending, though, just with uh, the little, what is that, mid-scene credit thing about Bruce Wayne coming back? Yeah, home. well, something. And then yeah. the, 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 I'm not going to go completely into it. but I mean, If you haven't played Arkham Knight by now, then I'm sorry. But well, I mean, I'm just not big on spoiling because that's still a good game. It is. Um, we have Nightfall Miko, Protocol, I think is what it was called. That Yeah, that is what it's called. Um, we have Miko Geico Monogatari Cade episode, or I'm pretty sure that's episode Cade. Um for some people, I know some people like to read those episode things with the name in front, and some people like to read them in the back. Um, we have Radio G uh, Racing Revolve for PSVR. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Raid World War Two for PS4, both out retail and digital. We have Raiden Five, Raiden Five Director's Cut for PS4, digital and retail. We have Raw Data VR for PSVR. We have Revolve for PS4. We have Semispheres for PS Vita. We have Son of Scorgasm for PS Vita. We have Square Boy vs. Bullies Arena Edition for PS Vita. We have Stereo Aereo for PS4. We have Toho Kaboto 5 Burst Battle. I keep wanting to call that V for some reason. There's a lot of 5s this week. We have It's for PS4 and PS Vita, both digital for both, and then only PS4 has the retail copy. That's not surprising. And last game on the list, we have White Noise 2. Big week for the Vita. Don't remember White Noise 1, but you know. I sure don't either. That's okay. And yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, in one of the groups I'm in, someone was talking about the PS Vita's crap and that it doesn't get any support and blah, blah, blah. I was like, literally, that game still has two to three releases a week. Yeah, you just have to have the right taste for it. Well, yeah, and I'm not saying that, but but the argument that it has no support is is completely wrong. The game has support. Does it have support in genres that you're interested well, in? Well, you could, you could argue that it doesn't have support for you. Well, but but that's a different statement than it doesn't have support because that's what the guy said. Oh well, yeah. Is it is the system doesn't ha- doesn't get any support, and that's not true. If if you like the games that come out on it, there's plenty of games that come out. Yeah, on it. it's, it's just, just a lot of them are very fit, JRPG yeah, driven, you have to fit in that niche. or very smaller indie games. But if you or if you're looking for AAA, I mean, yeah, the AAA aspect is more or less gone. I would argue that. Triple A JRPG, which doesn't necessarily—it's kind of almost like an oxymoron, <laughs> because a lot of JRPGs have lower quality. Like you kind of just expect it, because like East, if I showed you it, it looks like a PS3 game with a little more density because of the PS4. So it's like a PS3 animations and character models, but sharper, sharper image quality, and then like uh-huh. a little more dense. It kind of looks like if I showed you the game, it honestly kind of looks like Tales of Zillia. 
which went wrong was a good looking game for PS3, but it even tells Azealia looked old and when it came out over here finally because it was like a twenty a two thousand nine or two thousand eight game for the PS three in Japan. So it just goes to show how JRPGs are just done way differently. They're yeah, they're, they're not budgeted the same, but honestly the East games are so good that I don't even care. I want them to keep coming out. I don't want them to get these retarded inflated uh budgets because they just don't need it, in my opinion. So but yeah, I mean I just I'm glad to see that every week I really feel like there's at least one thing where I'm like, I can't believe the Vita's getting that and then it's always multiple. You know, it's like yeah. there's multiple good games coming or at least games that I feel like interest the player base that's stuck around on Vita. Uh and until that goes away, I'm not quite sure how quickly people will jump to the Switch, which is a worry that I've seen a lot. So Yeah, I can see that for sure. And we even talked about it last week is when does that happen or does that happen? Yeah. Does the I is the Switch getting the games that's keeping the people on Vita and does that fan base move i can see arm. it being a good possibility just but it just it really just depends it, it, i think jrpgs will continue to release on the vita as long as they continue to sell i want to look up and see how well east is sold on vita uh, i'm gonna do that after we get done here yeah I, go ahead out of sheer curiosity so uh i'm gonna go ahead and go into the news though you're all done right yes sir all right so news this week is a uh, a little interesting uh and what has this been like? I feel like every two weeks there's a new one. Uh, no Man's Sky gets yet another update courtesy of developer Hello Games. The update, patch 1.38, implements a new save system allowing five save game slots and the ability to load from auto saves that happen when exiting your ship, dying, etc., and manual saves that occur when interacting with beacons, which is how the game's been since launch. Uh, the rest of the update is aimed at improving the analysis visor's functionality as well as other small changes that range from bug fixes to quality of life improvements. So still good to see that game constantly changing. Yeah, you know? good for them. And in a way that I feel like is more of what people wanted. So still good to see. Uh, next up, uh, Players Unknown Battleground is indeed coming to PS4, though we still do not have a date. Uh, Xbox are in talks with developers, excuse me, to extend the original exclusivity window from three months uh, to presumably as long as they can get. Um which, as a quick aside, I feel like that partially has to do with Fortnite Battlegrounds kind of coming quickly. And oh, now does. they feel like originally they were like three months. We'll get three months of being the only console with one of these battle royale style games and one as big as P- as PUBG. But now Fortnite came out similar ish style game, and of course it's gotten big. It hit seven million players. I don't There's know if you saw been that. days where uh, Fortnite has had more streamers on Twitch than so, PUBG did. Still interesting, but either way, Players Unknown Battleground releases on Xbox sometime this year. Uh, while you can expect the PS4 version sometime in 2018, likely, highly likely. Uh, next thing up, Warframe is getting a huge new expansion, which has been known for a little while, but we finally have a little more details about when it's coming. Uh, Call the Plains of Eidolon, the expansion aims to bring the first open world areas to the game complete with a colony for players to hub at. This colony has vendors for new activities such as mining and fishing and many more. Outside of the colony, players can go solo or group up in teams of four to freely explore the planes. This expansion also brings a new Warframe, which are the exosuits that determine your character's abilities. Um, some people don't realize that that's why the game's called Warframe. Uh, as well as new weapons, a, re- a reworked version of Focus, and much more. The update aims to release on consoles sometime next month. Well, the PC people will get it very soon, presumably... Within, within the, the next, next two weeks or yeah. so. Uh, the update looks awesome. I don't know if you actually looked at it. Dude. No, I did. I did. Um, if you looked at that, that trailer, is is really good looking. It's really high quality. And I'm not, not going to lie to you. There's a high chance that when the game comes out, 
if it's everything I really want it to be, Destiny's gonna get dipped. See, and that's only I'm still salty. It's, it's one reason, and I know you want to restart, but you know that I feel much. I, I like first person shooters here and there. I really like third person shooters. That's one of the main reasons I want to play that game. I, so I actually really enjoyed Warframe when we were playing it. I only quit playing it because y'all did. Well, I don't like being thrown into a game that I haven't played in like a year and a half, and I don't know what anything is. I don't know what I'm doing. And you and can't, I can't start restart to replay. I still need to look into that. I don't care that much. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll just go ahead and play it. And the, actually, you know what's funny? I'm not normally one for multiplayer. Destiny PvP. Destiny Two is is actually doing a lot better. I I did not like Crucible and Destiny One at all. Yeah, I like Crucible and the Destiny PvP and Two more. Like I can do it, but the PvP and Warframe was really fun to me. Um, so I don't know. I'm probably gonna hop into that. I'm on, I'm thinking about just going ahead and downloading it so that I'm ready for when the update hits, uh, and then let it go ahead and auto update. I yeah. can come home and really check it out. Maybe with this, they're gonna give the ability to switch out. Um, you know, restart your character. I'm not. I'm gonna look into that. I almost quick, feel like can you, you not off. call them and ask them to reset your character? You can and can't. Like sometimes you get one person that will. Sometimes they won't. And so and supposedly the once the couple times that you can, uh, it's very rare for people. That's interesting. Well, just to mention, uh, Warframe is a free to play game, and this expansion is no different. It is 100 percent free. Um. Which is extremely interesting. This game is done so well, and it doesn't charge to play it at all, which is just wild to me. But I'm not quite sure. I mean, the game, whenever I was playing it, I couldn't believe it was free-to-play. It's so It was such a good game. The only thing that made it feel a little less premium compared to Destiny is the fact that it was corridored sections that you were rolling through. Yeah. But honestly, man, I'm telling you, a lot of the things that Warframe did, because Warframe launched with the PlayStation, is Destiny, I don't, I don't want to say aped on purpose, but... Definitely feels very similar. The the flying in on your ship animations look basically the exact same going into multiplayer and everything. It's just it's funny to me how close the games are, and I almost wonder if there was a little bit of an intention for that yeah. on Bungie's side, or if it was just two ideas that were very similar happening and going. Well, what would you do here? Exactly. I'm actually I'm gonna be honest though. I'm I'm tired of the the ship flying cutscene. It needs the little thing. It needs to be out of Destiny. It needs to be out of Warframe. I don't want to see it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> well, I mean, at least you don't have to go back to orbit. And I mean, it's cut down a lot in Destiny, but it still exists, and it's just... It's, well, it's a loading screen. It's ugly. I'd rather just give me a loading screen. You're you're the minority. I can Ugh, guarantee you that. that. Man, that is the most... Like, give me a minigame. Let me let me have a little 2D where I'm flying my ship and I'm shooting fallen ships or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Give me something. That might be pretty cool. But yeah, you're the, you're, yeah I'd rather much have the ship do... The thing again. Either way, next thing up on the list, Capcom revealed Street Fighter V Arcade Edition for PS4 and PC. It will include everything from the original release as well as new game modes, redesigned UI, new V-Trigger moves for every character. Every every character will have two now and more. The game releases January 16th of next year, though no price was given. I feel like this is normal Street Fighter with Street Fighter IV Super Edition where it's going to release at $60 again for no fucking reason. Of course. But I can't say for sure if that's true or not, so we'll see. Uh, Next thing up on the list, NIS America announced that the sequel to The Witch and the Hundredth Night uh, will be coming west. A limited edition was announced that includes a hardcover art book, two-disc original soundtrack, which I'm happy to see because a lot of games have been releasing with partial soundtracks where it's like the people who did the soundtrack choose their favorite tracks that will fit on one disc and go with it, Yeah, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, it's actually one of the things keeping me from getting. Uh, they're doing a vinyl set for near uh, replicant and and it's a it's a dual sided. Well, no, it's it's you get one that's fully for near uh, replicant and gestalt, which is the first near, and then near automata. But because of the way vinyls are, they can't put every song on there. So it's the chosen songs from the person who did the you know com- composition. Oh, okay. Um, 
I still kind of want it because it's really cool looking and I love vinyls, but it just it. I guarantee you they're going to end up being a song missing that I love. So. And, and then it won't be complete. But either way, I don't know if you ever played The Witch in the Hundred Night. Super cool game, and they ended up releasing it as like Witch in the Hundred Night Rebirth or something like that on the PS4. Super interesting game. Blaze bottle on PS3, uh, and I loved it. It was really cool looking. So I'm good. That, I'm glad it's getting a sequel and that it's coming over here. So uh, interesting to see. Presumably with it being. Uh, you know, the two disc OST, you also get a three, a theme st- uh, stress ball, which is kind of weird. And a set of nine lapel pins for seventy nine ninety nine, uh, and set to release sometime next year. With that being said, I think that with it being seventy nine ninety nine for the uh, limited edition, it's probably going to be a full price title. So yeah, which is I, fine. I, that makes I mean, sense. I don't, I doesn't bother me, but I mean, they've been doing so many of these $40 releases lately that it's just, you never know where it's going to hit. Um, Skyrim Special Edition received its survival mode DLC this week and is free for a limited time to anyone who owns the game. So hop on that if that interests you. Uh, it's, since it's official DLC, it's basically like all the mods you can get for free, but you can play it this way and still get trophies. That's important to note. Oh, okay. Uh, Cause some people are like, why would you get it if the DLC, I mean, if there's already mods that do it, um, this is exactly why I didn't play that game with mods at all because I wanted trophies. Uh, right, and I feel like there needs to be a way to get mods that are official mods, almost where they still let you play with them, but they give you trophies. But I don't know how that would happen, and it would take a lot of curation. So I'm I'm doubtful that that will ever see it. Well, and the fact that they're it's only free for the week. So if you go in, if you buy this game later on, then you have to pay for something that's already there for free <clears> on Xbox. Yeah, and, and unless, unless you just want to do it for trophies, it, it gets super weird. But I think I'd probably just play through the game normal, get all the trophies you wanted, and then go back and start a new one with the mods on. You know? Yeah. But either way, it's, For those it's, that it's interesting to see a game that's, what, six years old now getting DLC? So, uh, Next up, The Witcher 3's PS4 Pro update arrived this week. It brings support for 4K resolution as well as a slight performance bump for the console. A small patch was released afterwards to fix stability issues. Uh, I've seen some things where saying that while it makes the game pr- like overall better, there are a couple areas that it's actually hurt the frame rate in. Uh, I haven't played it to know. Really? Uh, so... Yeah, but that also might have been what one of the stability issue fixes were. Can't say because I haven't played it. But that's um, true. Either way, next up, PlayStation announced Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition this week. It will include the original game, the Frozen Wilds DLC, and all digital deluxe content. It will release on December fifth for forty nine ninety nine. Which? How much is the Frozen Wilds? I Do think we have 15? a price. I think fifteen. This but, is such a weird thing to have. I'm not sure. There's I, only one DLC for the game. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's really just interesting that it's releasing at forty nine ninety nine. It's almost like a hey, if you didn't pick up the game at launch, here's here it is again with even more crap for even cheaper than it was. Yeah, at the it's original like a, it's, if you haven't played it yet, then here it is. And I like the idea of the complete edition only being fifty dollars instead. Yeah, of it's a smart move. It's just such a weird. Um, it's it a is weird move super to weird. Make. Super weird, but you know. Uh, next up, something that excites me and pisses me off all in the same role. Uh, a new PSVR model will debut soon. The updated model features some minor improvements like the stereo headphones cables, uh, ability to be integrated with the VR headset, and slimmer connection cables. One major improvement is an updated processor unit. I said that super weird, but processor unit that supports HDR pass-through, diluting the need to disconnect the processor unit to enjoy HDR content on PS4. Sadly, this new PS, uh, the new processor unit will not work with the original PSVR head-mounted display, so current owners are still stuck with this issue. I cannot believe they did this. The over the oversight it took them to release the PSVR and then a month and a half or so later release the PS4 Pro, Pro yeah. and not include HDR pass-through in that fucking box 
mind blowing. It is. It's it's ridiculous. And there are I those, cannot believe it. There are those hacks that I was telling you about where you can use switches and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but that, you that you sh- it, it should not be that complicated. Exactly. And, and, the, and, and the fact that now they're releasing a, a new processor box with this ability, and I can't even just go buy it for like fifty bucks, is ridiculous. Yeah. Or even a hundred. Honestly, I'm gonna tell you. Part of the reason I don't play my VR as much as I should is because I have to do that. I have to we switch the cables around, which is just an extra step in something that's already a little bit complicated to put on. So the fact that I can't buy this, and I would for a hundred dollars to get rid of that issue, I would probably pay my VR more often, and I would and it would be just something that would be like a little peace of mind for me. Yeah. I don't know. I'd pay for it, and I just it makes me mad that they didn't even think about that. And the reasoning behind it is supposed to be that the new connection cables are different, so the connection cables wouldn't work with the inputs for this. Please, I don't know. I just that's something that they could have easily fixed. I still like they. I still feel like they could have slimmed down the cables to make them less weighty and kept the same connectors on the end. But whatever. I'm not going to get into it too much more than that. Uh, just goes to show that sometimes Sony doesn't always do something I like. <laughs> uh, okay, next thing up, System Software 5.00 officially released this week, bringing with it an update to the messages system, the ability to follow people, improve quick menu functionality, like the ability to change a party's uh, privacy status, leave a party, look at other people's party, all within the quick menu, which is I cool. I like that. I like I, that a whole lot. I do too. It's, it's nice. Um, and then a lot of it's like smaller stuff that's been needing to go on for a long time, like there's new uh, language support. For the system, like a lot more languages than was there originally. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, so alongside the update, the PlayStation apps for smartphones were also updated to make use of some of these new features as well as the new language options. Uh, last thing I have for the news, it's going to trans, uh, it's going to segue us into the reader mail is PlayStation and Polyphony Digital have revealed a limited time demo for Gran Turismo Sport. The demo allows players to try out some of the game's new features and game modes, as well as unlock vehicles that will be transferred over to the final release. The demo is available starting October 9th and ends October 12th, and the official release, the final uh, version of the game releases on the 17th. Right, so uh, reader mail question number one, that's what we're going to tie directly into this, is Ryan Turismo Sport... <laughs> Said, will either of you be checking out the GT Sport demo? Have you played the or have you seen the scapes tech for the photo mode? So I downloaded the demo yesterday, but I don't know if it's the demo or the beta that expired. I have to get home and try to open it up to see if I can play it. Um, I'm certainly gonna. I'm interested in it. I want to see how um, how much of a sim it is or how much of an arcadey. Like if there's any arcade, if it's arcade enough for me to buy it. Basically, if it's arcade enough for me to buy it, I'll certainly buy it. Um, I, I really, really like scapes. Me and, uh, Brett haven't really, uh, looked into that until right before the video. We watched an IGN video. Yeah. I looked loosely really cool. into it, but yeah, I, I never, I knew it was coming and I knew it was going to be like a, a scapes thing. I mean, I knew about what it was called in the loose way of what worked, but actually seeing it in motion was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, it it looks we're... good. I'm not a huge fan of photo mode, uh, <laughs> in any game really. Um, but I will say though, that if you're going to spend a lot of time to customize a car, to throw it into a photo mode and to mesh it in, and then that'd be a cool, like, um, uh, like wallpaper for PS4. Yeah, the way it looks so good. Yeah. That, I mean, because he goes into like it earlier, he was saying, you know, right here, he says, GT, uh, GT, the creator of photo mode, in my opinion, which I don't quite know if I agree with that. I, I don't I, remember I, photo. I didn't play six, though. Maybe that's where he's saying that. Maybe photo mode was in six, and I just didn't see it. Uh, but he says, GT, the creator of photo mode, in my opinion, is looking to reinvent it with scapes, real pictures, with voodoo tech. I love that renders the environment on cars. So 
That is super crazy. It's like they place the in-game uh, car model into a real picture, and then they use CGI to basically reflect that same surrounding onto like the reflections of the cars and stuff so that it looks super real. And he posted a picture of it, and the results are crazy. They look really good. So, I mean... Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, to answer the initial question of, if I, am I going to get the game? I know Saul said he is. Or is he going to try the demo? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to try the demo out. I am basically on the absolutely of getting the game. I, I see very little possible that could keep me from wanting to get the game. I really thought Drive Club was good. Uh, I like Drive Club, too. Yeah, Drive Club was super, Drive Club super is semi. a little different. So, yeah. I mean, I, can, I, I see how you're still a little more on the fence. But... Uh, what I'm happy for is that I actually am excited for Need for Speed um, Payback or whatever the heck the name is for that game um, because I do like, or at least I really like, the last Need for Speed's take on street racing. And I do really like that super loose, not quite as arcadey as something like Ridge Racer, but still really arcadey. Um, but the weird thing about Need for Speed is it added the ability to, to adjust the control on all your tires. So it was like, for how arcadey it was, it still felt like it had a lot of them like control options and, yeah. it, and it really did affect the way the car is controlled um, but I will most likely get the game I'm absolutely getting the demo and going to try that out finally since I missed out on the beta all that time but yeah, yeah Ryan the, the results of the, the escapes mode is phenomenal yeah. I can't yes. believe it I mean I almost to the point where I just want to play I, I want to buy the game just to make sure it really looks like this and they're not using some kind of weird I know they're not like marketing this, thing. this seems <laughs> all of it seems believable the game is beautiful yeah. I mean the game is beautiful I, but it's just it's so crazy looking that you almost want to not believe it um, so yeah that's pretty interesting so uh, let's go on to the uh, rest of our reader mail that we do have we don't have too terribly much yeah time. so we have Neon X Neon over there on Twitter can you guys talk about how bad the theme section is on PS4 garbage hot yeah messy and you garbage. know when he said it, it uh, it's funny because it's not something I care about as much these days but one of the funnest things of PS3 was like, man, what baller themes can I get on this system? And the fact that you could make your own themes and people could post them online, you could just download them onto the console was and why amazing. why that's not on the PS4, we'll never know. And it wasn't on the Vita, and man, it's all sorts of stuff. Themes were such a cool thing in the PSP, PS3 days that it's just sad to see them shafted so badly. And some of the best ones for PS4 seem to be bundled in with games like Final Fantasy IX, or they are just your own, where you just... You have your own background. Yeah, but I really like when I mean. they have specialized icons. Like, uh, man, some of the PS, some of the Kingdom Hearts. Um, one, uh, here's a bigger issue on this: you can't pull in a theme and then put your custom background to that theme's icons, which you could do on PS3. You sure about that? Yeah, because I tried doing it with the Aqua PS, uh, the the Aqua Kingdom Hearts one that you get from 2.8. Yeah, because I like the way the themes look, but I wasn't a huge fan of the background. So I was like, let me put my own background to it. I mean, unless they've changed that in a recent update, no, you can't do that. So yes, that's uh, Richard Neox, whatever Neox Neon, definitely it's garbage, and I can't believe that it's garbage with a couple of moments of shining light in there because there's a couple of cool ones. Like I really like my Horizon Zero Dawn one. And I liked my Gravity Rush one. Didn't you get their Horizon Zero Dawn from a pre-order? Uh, yes. Oh, no, it was from my collector's edition. From a game. But yeah, not I, know. Store. I know. I know. I know. Uh, and yeah. then, and then I actually, I kind of like the Platinum one, which I do like that idea. I like the idea of a Platinum Never giving you... Never got that one. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. I, I got did. the Bloodborne one, but I the did. Bloodborne one's ugly to me. <clears throat> but the, the, the Horizon Platinum one is cool looking, but I like the idea of... A, of I don't want that one. I, I'm much more... I would rather... Platinums have ones hidden than, than special editions of games having hidden ones. Because to me, having one behind something that you earn 
is a cool worth idea. It. Yeah. And I, I think that, that all, all, all that does is serve to make Platinums look a little more enticing to people who aren't quite trophy hunters yet. Yeah. So, you know, and, and since Horizon wasn't that hard to Platinum, but it still was like a challenge, you may get people who are trophy hunters now just because they Platinum the game randomly and we're like, oh, crap, I also get a theme? That's it's, awesome. It's incentives that would actually yeah. make you try. Which is cool. Uh, and so the last one, let's see if I'm not mistaken, is Mr. Santa Roods, right? Yes, sir. And I'm going to go ahead and say, Saul, I've been, I've been brewing on this for a little bit, but I actually want to save this one. I'm going to go ahead and read what it is. Okay. But... Would you guys like to see a mini PS1 like the mini SNES? If so, what games would you like on it? Not going to go there because I would actually want to do a comparable amount of games. Like, I want to say, how many games are on the SNES? Isn't it like 20-something? 40. Are you sure? I think. Man, I didn't think it was that much. I thought it was very similar to what the NES Classic had. The NES Classic only had like 15 to 17 games No, it didn't. It had a 20. (laughs) Okay, look, I'm going to show you. I can't remember. I feel like the SNES is closer to that, though. Actually, hold on. I might be getting them confused real quick. We'll check here. Um, so the SNES Classic, I hate the internet and everything that it stands for. Um, <laughs> Says the man who the has a show that completely goes over the internet. I do. But um, anyways, what would be the amount of games you would want on it? I think that similar to the idea of Twitter forces you to really think about what you say because you have a limited character count. I like the idea of limiting the amount of games that could be on the system so that you make sure you put the games that you really feel like show the quality of what that system had, but in a smaller amount of titles, uh, I think no less than 20. I think 20 is probably optimal. Yeah. I think 20 is, uh, and it, it gets into a weird thing because it, it starts to be like, on games that have series that you love, because like I love Crash Bandicoot, right? Right. But which Crash Bandicoot would I put on there? Because I don't think that all three need to be on there. I'd say one and two. I, I say three because I well, really, two is the best game, but I think three is the biggest culmination of what the games were. So if you're going to show off what the system could do, three looked the best, played the best in a lot of ways. But you're but, not trying to show the system; you're trying to play it. Well, but, but I'm, I'm saying like of what that system was at its best. You're showing the best of the best games, but it depends on if you want it to be the best of what it was as an overall package. Well, no, I mean, but the game, that was the best looking of the three, but it also played amazingly. It's just that two had a little bit better game structure. So it depends on where your quality standpoint's at. Uh, Either way, it's just one of those weird things. I don't quite know. I think 20 would be what I'd do. So, Sean, look for that. It's probably going to be one of the episodes we save for when there's like slow news weeks later on in the year as we're getting closer to November and December when things start slowing down because of the holiday season approaching and all you're getting is more new releases and not necessarily as much announcements. Um, I think that we may save that for like a bonus episode that we are not a bonus episode, but you know, like an episode we do, uh, when we go to PSX, which it's seeming highly likely now that Saul will be going hoping, to PSX with us. I so if so, hoping. we will pre record that episode so that we can still have a normal release for that week. Um, so the super Nintendo classic has 20 games. Okay. Um, okay. And I don't know how many, I, I feel like that the NES had, NES 20 had as well. 40. Maybe I don't. I didn't think it was quite that high, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it. So, so uh, Sean, you will definitely get that from us. That'll be the main topic of an episode that we do on a slower thing, and we'll uh, we'll go through and we'll do our 20 games, and we'll do my 20 games, Saul's 20 games, and then if we, I want to pre-plan it as much as well. I don't want to say pre-plan it. We'll just have to edit it in ways that make it not take up so much time. But Saul, so I want to do my 20 games, your 20 games, and then I'd like us to to combine our 20 into the triangle squared 20. 
Okay, so like what you get it. Yeah, if, so if like, I, you know, we do mine and we do yours and then we kind of, I don't want to say like argue, but we kind of figure out where ours are on the list in each other, see if any of ours match up. And if ours match up, they automatically go on the, the list. Okay. And then we start to kind of dissect each other's. Uh, and we're not going to do like a top 20. It's not going to be like 1 through 20 is going to be the games that we think deserve to be on there the most to the least, but still deserve to be on there. It's just going to be 20 games. And and I think, I think that's think, a good idea, right? No, I do. I like it. I just, I, I'd rather have a PS2 Classic. We'll, we'll do hey, we'll do each one. We'll kind of on slow times. We'll start to break them down. Because my answer is going to be my answer to this tweet in particular is Spyro. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's if we're putting twenty games on there, man, we got to go further than that. Spyro times twenty. By the <laughs> way, uh, the Nest Classic had thirty games. Thirty so had ten okay, more, so which is weird. I'm going to say twenty. So we'll do that later, Sean. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for it. Uh, I think that that'll be a fun episode, Spyro and that's why and- I haven't done it yet because I've almost Whoops. I've almost loosely wanted to talk about it as like a mini topic, but I'm like it deserves so much more, and it's going to be well, a big topic. Spyro so. and a Crazy Taxi. That's all I need in my life. Okay, so. and Yu Gi Oh the uh, Duelist of Rose. That's PS2, but yeah, okay, I, I get where you're going. Forbidden Memories. Uh, I think Forbidden Memories was on PS1. Okay, all right, so that clears up reader mail for the time being Sean, sorry we good. didn't answer it now but Beyblade game was awesome but that doesn't mean it needs to be on the system it, it, no, it does. It's a, it's a, we'll talk about that we, we got will. we got time stew on what your favorite PS1 games are I'm gonna start making a, a mini list because I know it's gonna go above 20 and then day of the episode that'll be when we start kind of like compiling our actual 20 and then we compile together call me so, a pot roast because I'm gonna stew sometimes don't so. you love our cringy Sometimes. All right. So what we kind of did with the intro to the episode is, uh, and, and we posted it on Twitter actually as our uh, topic of the, sh- of the week. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of recap it with that. So the topic of the week that we posted on Twitter was with Assassin's Creed recently taking a year off to come back with a better product and Call of Duty World War II getting flack that may lead to it not being the success Activision was hoping for. Are we likely to see a slowdown in the annualized franchises? If so, what games do you feel like should take a year break? Now, with that being said, as soon as I posted it, Sean Santarude of all people actually kind of posted back how, you know, hopefully uh, AC will come back better from having the break. Is there that many annual games except sports ones and Call of Duty? The answer is exactly right. And I said less and less. Yeah, less and less every year. But that's kind of why the topic still holds because the topic is going to kind of be a discussion of how we saw a decline already from just jumping into the PS4. We started seeing less and less of these games. And then we also started seeing some publishers like Activision try and find a way to breathe new life into the annualization of call of duty, uh, by changing up the way they did it. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and go through what the, um, some of our listeners responses were to it. So we already went through Sean's. He's saying, hopefully, you know, Assassin's Creed comes back better. Um, and then, of course, I said, you know, less and less every year, it seems, for, for annual releases. And he said, not a bad thing. Think sales of some sequels are well down on sales like Dishonored 2, which is interesting because Dishonored 2 was not a yearly thing. It was one of those examples of a game being asked for by a very hungry fan base. And then the develop, the publisher and developer actually delivering that sequel, and it's still not selling as well as you would have hoped because it's almost one of those things where Dishonored's a fantastic game, in my opinion. And I, Dishonored 2 was a masterpiece. That game was so good. Never played two, but one was great. So it comes down to one of those things. It's like, you know, the game was, I feel like Dishonored 2, I'm so glad it came out because of it's it's such a masterclass example of of game, of making a game and building a world. I, I couldn't believe how well that game did all that. It made you feel like you really had the ability to choose what you were doing. Was it four years in between development cycles for those two games? Yeah, I think so, because wasn't it like 20... 13 12 or 2012 for the first game and then 2016 for the second game. So yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Um, but with that being said, 
go off. Uh, Mr. Ron Trismo Sports said, I think UB is getting it. Helps they have enough franchises now to do a one, uh, to do one to two games a year and constantly be releasing something, which is a good point. The game, I feel like Ubisoft is a great example of a developer that slowed down on it because they realized definitely with Assassin's Creed that they were kind of getting bit from it. And they were like, it's going to make more sense to us to let this game have more time. And with more time, you're going to have the perception of higher quality. And hopefully when they see the game, they also see that high quality that they perceive this year break giving us. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they are doing a good job at releasing games in a, in a staggered way to where they always have something coming out. So Ubisoft's always on your mind, but the franchises aren't getting worn out so quickly. Um but what, I mean, what do you think about the whole Ubisoft thing? I mean, do you I think th- it works. I'm not a huge fan of Ubisoft games. I'm not a big fan of Assassin's um, Creed or even Watch Dogs is what's funny. Uh, but you know, I love Far Cry. Yeah, and I see that between Far Cry, Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed. What else are some big ones? Uh, I'm trying to think of other really big Ubisoft releases. It's kind of hard to think about it because uh, Rainbow Six. Yeah, that's true. All, all between, the Tom Clancy's games. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that between. That one will w- probably won't see any sequel anytime soon, um, just because of how well that game's been doing. Uh, oh yeah, I, I don't think that they. they yeah, I think that they're they want that the game to last on it, its own legs as long as possible, and it definitely should. Um, but yeah, I think between those four franchises, that every every year Ubisoft could release, something and of new. course the divisions part of the Tom Clancy. Thing, That's true. So. Yeah, uh, and and with that game being something that could be built upon, like Destiny, it's something that they have a clear road forward without having to release a new game. But they, it's funny because games like Destiny have kind of taken the idea of annualization of a franchise and instead gone, hey, instead of doing a new franchise or a new game every year, why don't we do a massive DLC or something? a massive DLC every year, or maybe Uncharted. or maybe two DLCs every year? Uncharted kind of did that. What, the uh, annualization thing? Yeah, with the Lost Legacy. Yeah, because it, it is a year after we saw uh, Uncharted 4. But Naughty Dog technically is doing this. Well, that's if we get Last of Us 2 next year. I think it'll be 2019 when we yeah, get that. Yeah, and that's and, well, it's, it's annual release from the studio, but Uncharted is an example of an annual, but it's not steady annualization, so I'm not right, really going to count yeah. it that way. And it was DLC that grew past its uh, in, in intended size. Yeah. So it's. I'm not going to say that, yeah, I mean, it's still annualization, but it's annualization done in such a different way. Right. It's uh, not a, and it's, it's not, not real annualization because I don't think we're going to see another Uncharted next year. I mean, That's pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, I was going to say, um, it'd be crazy. If anything, you, you may get Last of Us next year or even 2019. Yeah, I was saying, we get uh, Last of Us next year, I'll be <clears> amazed. You know what would be crazy is if The Last of Us gets a DLC that grows out of scope and becomes a, a, its own release just like we saw with Uncharted Lost Legacy. Well, they did that left behind. Uh, but it wasn't a it was a standalone release, but it wasn't a full game. It was really short; it was like three or four hours. I I thought Lost Legacy was somewhat similar, maybe five or six hours. No, Lost Legacy is like ten. Okay, see, I was gonna say I thought they were it's almost similar, in and time. it had its own platinum. So I mean, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I did. I guess because uh, Dan got it. Yeah. So that's what I mean for stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I think Ubisoft has a good way of doing it. That's a great point, Ryan Drismo. Uh, let's see, Alabama gamers, new followers. Thank you guys for following. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. While I'm not a big fan of sports games in general, I think most of these franchises could use a break. Every game feels familiar. So this is going to go into the category, and I'll go ahead and break off into that now, <clears throat> of where I was saying we're seeing developers find ways to try and spice up and breathe new life into some of their annualizations. So starting with the sports games that he's talking about, because it's also what Jerome said, Jerome File. Uh, and I'm sorry, I know we're I probably your butchering too. your I'm name. I'm sorry, Jerome. Uh, but J- Jerome said it too. Sports series, uh, and then of course, actually, we have uh, Nate San- uh, Nate down here, Mister Scorpion Wild. I laughed at his name, his new name, Nightmare Nate. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare Nate. Yearly 
that would make a killer gamer tag, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Uh, yearly sports games should take a break from the $60 overhaul each year and add a DLC update yearly with a full overhaul every two to three years, which is something that people have been talking about forever. Yeah. Uh, and I do think, in my opinion, I see where that would go. Um, but what? So going back into the way sports series have tried breathing new life, and we've seen it more and more with also Madden being the first time having this year story. having a story mode. FIFA got it like a year ago. Uh, NBA 2K got it. Like the year before that, they, it's like they keep trying it with one franchises. One franchise, it works. They kind of breathe it in the new one. And what it does is it helps the games feel different, and it's got something that's actually different. It's like, yeah. you know, while Destiny 2, in my opinion, doesn't feel just leaps and bounds ahead of Destiny 1, right. definitely if you just have somebody who's never played either game look at them, I think that they'd have it's all. It's still doing a certain good amount because, of Because, yeah, because you're, you, when you play it, you're like, oh, man, this story is decidedly different from the first game. Oh, That's cool, why yeah. I think you need a campaign because you have the campaign to go, this is a new game. This is a different game. Yeah, and see, that's something that with sports games we'll never not see. It'll always, they'll always be yearly. They will always, because just. I'm not going to say always. I do think that eventually. There was it, a rumor like five years if ago. They that, get, if they get bad enough, I don't want to say PR, but if they get a bad enough opinion from the people who buy the games and sales start to slow a little, or sales start to slow enough to feel like it's a cause for concern, I think you may very well see them go, okay, we got to finally do what we've been saying. Now, what would that yearly DLC be? How much would it be? $20, $30? What's that price that you'd be willing to pay to get this roster update? See, yeah, I was going to say, that's been a rumor for like five years now that. Uh, they, they were just going to make a game called Madden, and then every year it would just change with DLC updates. But they're going to lose out on so much money by doing that that I, I'm pretty sure that's why. But it I would also game. cut down on development costs. So it's like a mix because they have to pay these people to develop the games every year, but they don't have to pay them. But then it cuts into the big. It cuts into losing jobs, though. Yeah. Too. So, so it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a big, weird, vicious cycle. Yeah. We're going to go with it. It's been going on for like, what now? 20 years? What, Madden? Yeah. yeah longer than that. I thought it was like Madden 25. Or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty far into it. I can't remember what the Madden was like on Super Nintendo. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Either so way. At least 30 years. That's, that's kind of where I'm going with this. The whole idea of them trying to take something annual and trying to make it feel less annual. And the way you do that, of course, is by trying to introduce something that makes the game discernibly different. Because you're seeing it again this year. We saw it with Madden, right? Yeah. And that's EA. But now we're seeing 2K do it with 2K. And again, these are all different. So... 2K uh, Basketball did it first. Then we saw EA, EA go, you know what? That's kind of a good idea. Let's do it in FIFA. And it's now let's do yeah, it in Madden. Like story mode. Yeah. yeah, and then now what are you seeing 2K do? Now 2K is giving you an open world hub that you can walk around through. Remember that neighborhoods thing? It's just one more thing to make you feel like, okay, this is a different game than last year. I have this new thing. But if it's going to be a different game every year, that's going to just incentivize you to buy the new one because it's going to be a different game. And they keep adding those changes in like that. What I'm saying, it actually helps with sales. It, it, it's going to help with a stagnating sales of yearly right, releases yeah. if so they continue to do it, this. It'll always be a yearly release. So in a way, this, this, in a good way, I think, reinforces annual releases and forces them to try and be a little more different and creative uh, if they see bigger returns because of this. And the NBA 2K series has been doing phenomenal since 2K, 2K12, 2K11. Yeah, one of those this one actually has so, had a lot of customer backlash. There's been stuff where you have, you've used your real-life money to buy these tokens and then you're... Your character gets somehow deleted, and all the tokens go with it. That happened to Justin Foster. Really? That's yeah. weird. He was he was so. Either mad. way, people people seem to like it for now. So I mean, I think that if as long as it can continue to be done in this way and be done well, I don't think sports series have to take the break. Now I think if they don't continue to do this, something has to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, something will happen. Um, but I think that that something has already happened, and we're seeing it right now. 
Correct. So yeah. it's okay. Um, so let's go down here. Mr. No Fate, Sean One Neo. Uh, he says Rocket League is a game that could have been annualized, but I'm glad it's not. Other sports games could take the same approach. Uh, and that's actually exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's one game that comes out and continues to see DLC support. Now, the reason Rocket League can do that versus a normal sports game to an extent is because Rocket League is not based around a real-world sport or real-world players, and it's a, uh, and it's which a comes to be a weird thing because the reason team. the sports games do the way they do is like there's rosters, yeah, and those rosters are important to the people because they want to play with the people that they like to watch in real life. Like the connect oh, yeah, is there. Dude. Um, but a game like Rocket one, League, yeah. a game like Rocket League can go, hey, you know what? We're already a made-up sport. Why don't we go ahead and release a new version of a made-up sport in the same game in the form of basketball with Ex- rocket cars? Exactly. How yeah. about we do it with hockey with rocket cars? You know what I mean? It's like they they ha- kind of already is. <laughs> Just make the point. It's, not it's soccer, but yeah, yeah. But now it's now they have hockey with it. Yeah. Uh, so and then they have the ability to go, hey, you know what'd be cool is if we give new DLC that's based around and this is purchase DLC, but it's cheap. I'll give them that, and it's based around franchises that people love and seem to. Re- re- been requesting like all the fast and furious stuff happening now the uh delorean coming from back to the future stuff you've seen them do this already where they're finding ways to breathe life into their game because they're not bound by anything that already exists correct how do you start to do those same things in a franchise that's based around real world people real world sport real world structure the only way you'd be able to do that is doing excuse me something that was kind of a one way you could try and do it, but you're still going to make people happy because they want that yearly main release, is either release side games like NBA Street where they change up the way the games are played or start to incorporate that street mode into the actual release. That way you have the normal yearly release thing. You have the structure that you want. You have the team you want, the rosters you want. But then if you want to not be so serious and do something a little different, now I can jump into the street mode where it's a little more wacky and I can do big head mode and play with like a more... Yeah, arcade version style game but that probably won't happen because you know you, you do have to look at it from the business side if that game can stand to be made it can stand to be made as a standalone game which is exactly what nba streets typically it's been yeah uh, and even things like fifa street fifa release and it was like a street version of soccer and they released it as an individual release uh which is and, and it's because weird. the the idea behind those games are so in stark contrast to the idea behind the actual sim sports games um that it's kind of hard to put them into the same disc because I feel like the hardcore fans will be like, why are you putting this in this game? This game, I want to be me going through this legit you know, season. I want to perform and do well. I want the sim side of this. I don't want the play side. It'd be a weird thing if they could somehow combine them without getting backlash. Yeah. But I also think from a business perspective, it would it's never gonna, happen. It's going to be hard, yeah. Because it's just they can pay another development team to make that game, and then they'll get probably bigger returns off of it. And it'll be probably it'll be probably quicker since they're off offloading the work but to see, another but team. That'd be the one thing that they could do to kind of do like he's saying with Rocket League. If you introduce this into the main game, now the main game can continue to be a platform and it can go longer with just a roster update, but on top of the roster update you're paying for, now they'd be like, here's street basketball, right? Well now we're gonna introduce this new version of street basketball with like a wackier game mode. You know, whatever. Or they could try and find ways to oh, now we're gonna we're gonna add in this crazy character because this is a goofy version of it anyway. We're gonna add some weird mascots at first yeah, and then they like, find a way to put mascots in it. Right. And then they go, well, now we're going to put weird versions of other weird pop culture stuff that you like in. I don't know how they do it, but it's possible. Yeah. You know, like, a lot, hey, a you, lot of DLC. Do you want to play? You want to, you want to play where your entire team, you can choose to have dressed up like ghostbusters. Bam. You can do it. I'm not saying that it's, it's such a novelty. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But that's what people like about the rocket league approach is, 
the things that they want, and then they, of course, they continue to update the game to make it better. But right. then they also get these new free game modes, and then they get the DLC that they want. And that game is thriving on on novelty DLC. That's true. Yeah. So it's a way to do it from the business side of things. Especially so the that's that. gone over all the the responses we got kind of on here. Um, excuse me, I've been a little sick lately. Um, so bouncing over to the same idea of breathing fresh life into a into an annualized franchise. It's funny because, of course, I mentioned Call of Duty, and of course, Call of Duty's been getting this backlash for a couple of things. Some of it's been on the. Uh, they've gotten a lot of backlash, backlash, honestly. They had it to where they were removing the Nazi flags, Dude, symbols from this, things in the that, game. The, the situation which with is, that which made is, me so it, mad. It's, it's on both sides. Like, you, you get why they did it, but at the same time, you're like, it's historically accurate. If, or if you're saying it's historically accurate, it needs to be there. Listen, which did you see though? The end of it. Let me finish it before because I don't know if it paints your rebuttal differently. Right? Is that I don't know if you saw all of the Nazi flag symbolism is going to be in the storyline. It will not be on the maps in the multiplayer. People were mad because the store the Nazi flags were removed. Now people are mad at people that are mad because in Wolfenstein they want the Nazi flags removed now. And it's yeah. And here's the thing: is that or they're not. They don't. They're not mad. They want them removed. They are mad that they're in the game. Yeah, and that you're fighting Nazis, and now so it's this weird clash of well, you wanted it in this game, and now it's in this game, and like, what do you want? Like, you can't please where, everybody. Where's the Where's the disconnect? This just, yeah, this just goes to show developers just do what you want to do. Don't listen to people because they're I so follow. I, I feel the exact same way. You have to follow what your creative vision was, it, it, and 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 be behind it. And I don't wrong. I get that when your entire lifeline is game making, it's scary. Yeah, dude. Because like people were saying, even there's a there's a thing on. I'm pretty sure it was Kotaku. It's so wild about Wolfenstein of all things is like people being like did you see that thing where it's like way to make it political and it was like Wolfenstein by nature is already a political well, game. Yeah, the game is the, the, the entire game has always been the entire franchise has always been about killing well, I Nazis. Think, I think they mean uh, political in terms of present time. Well yeah but I mean that all they're doing is following the same marketing, or not necessarily the same marketing, but the same marketing based off of the game as the game always has. The game has always been about killing Nazis. It's what yeah, the franchise now, is now, built upon. Yeah, and see, people are mad that you're killing Nazis, but the same people were probably mad that the Nazi flag was in World War II. It's like, listen, you can't have it both ways. Developers stop pandering to your to, to this kind of stuff. This is all up to people's preferences. It should be what you want, not to what the people's preferences. Yeah, see, wants. pandering is where it gets to be an issue. If oh, I, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, if you make a game that's based around World War II period, and, and you you go, my artistic vision of what I had when I was wanting to make this game does not need Nazi flags to sh- to to portray anything. I don't have to put them in there. But if you're only taking them out or putting them in because you feel like you're getting pressured from someone, right. That's it's when it wrong. becomes pandering. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, it's wrong. To me, on a personal level, I get that from a business level. These people, these de- these developers who don't get paid, you know, near as much as what some people think. Their lifeline is in these games, and if this game doesn't perform well because of something they could have prevented, it, it, it's. I'm not going to say it's right, but I understand where they come from in wanting to try and do what it seems like the mass wants them to do because. Or to it to the most extent they can without ruining their vision at the same time. You know, yeah. it's a it's a weird tug of war because some of these people do have to worry about they're spending months away from their family and not really getting to see their family or go on vacation. They spend years working on these games and then they only go on vacation when the games are done. I don't, yeah, I mean, and then like two months later they're back in game development. Game development's a very crazy thing, and I, I mean it is scary. But I think that you've seen with enough games 
that you don't have to pander because I feel like there's a lot of things that Naughty Dog did with The Last of Us that some people were like, why would you do this? You shouldn't do this. And instead of pandering, they just stood behind what they originally did. There were yeah. people that didn't like that in the last Be- in the Left Behind DLC. Uh, spoiler alert. It's going to be like three seconds. So spoiler alert. Ellie is a lesbian. She's, she's revealed to be a lesbian. She kisses her little girlfriend. Thing. And see, there's a same <laughs> side on the opposite coin of people saying, oh, you put that in there to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's both ways. But he's just like, hey, look. And I don't know if you've seen that there was a developer thing. And I'm not going to say that the spoiler section is done. Done. Spoilers. All right. So not going to go into what it was. Not like but you're talking to a dog. Done. <laughs> done. Uh, but Ashley Johnson, who plays uh, Ellie, she said that she felt like that choice. It was choice, right for Ellie. She, she said that she is actually partial of what pushed behind it because she said that that's what she felt yeah. Ellie was in her head when she was creating the character who she's portraying. And I feel like there's a lot to be said about what the people who are voicing these characters are doing. You know? Yeah. you got to let them... It's their character as much as it's your character. And if they have an idea, why not run with it? Yeah. And you know? like, so I think that that's a very interesting thing. And I think Naughty Dog are good examples of you can do what you want to in your games. And it's not about what's in it. It's about it, your vision. And honestly, it's about the experience with the characters. You don't always have to agree with people. I actually like the God of War games. I don't think it's right that, go, that Kratos is going around killing all these people. But you understand why he's doing it. Yeah. And you're just along for the ride. And you're like, I just want to see this through and see what's going on and what's going to happen for his story arc. doesn't mean I think killing everybody in the long run is a great thing. It's yeah. just, it's a video game. You're there to experience something through another character's eyes. It it's doesn't just, mean that it has to agree with what you personally agree with. It's a game. It's just hilarious that in just in this media nowadays, it's, it's, people saw a Nazi flag in World War II and they said, I don't like that. Get that out of here. And then now, uh, there's th- that now that they're saying, oh, I don't want to be like, you shouldn't be killing Nazis. And it's like Nazis are the scum of the earth, especially during that time period. That is the one group or the one team you would want to kill <laughs> if there is another human thing to kill. And it's one of those things like, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not even a big proponent for violence. I never have been. I don't really particularly believe in war <laughs> if myself. Anybody deserved it. It's but Nazis. I mean, <laughs> you know, what it comes down to is that we have a group of people who are literally killing millions of people. Why would? Why are you going to have a problem with somebody being like, well, like yeah, I kind of understand why I want or, them to kill a bunch of people. Or fighting back. That's what they're mad at. Exactly. Fighting, fighting back. back. It's just a weird thing. So, Anyways, I mean, pandering. Off, pandering. Oh, yeah, we did. But pandering becomes a weird thing. It's just, what do you do with pandering? Well, you know, with all this, going back to Call of Duty finally, with all the Call of Duty stuff going on, not only with the with this back and forth on what they're doing with the Nazi symbolism, that's I, and I don't even know where that's going to go. Is it people just crying, or is it people who are literally going to do sure, something? I'm sure it's people um, that like they just don't want to see it. Yeah, maybe. And then of course we have stuff going on where some people are worried that the multiplayer uh, is not looking like they originally were hoping, uh, and then partially, or and actually I'd say to a good majority, partially to do with this um, Call of Duty points thing and these loot boxes that are all microtransactions have assumed way too much of the marketing in my opinion of this game oh yeah so far as to see i don't know if you saw but the, the steam the front page the, the, is nothing the, but the steam when it's it, when tokens you, or whatever when you click about game the first yeah. thing it shows is tokens it's like i'm not saying that that information didn't need to be there because if you pre-order the game you do get that but why is that your front and center somebody, why is it the first thing yeah. you go hey when, when i want to tell somebody about this game i want to make sure the first thing they know is that there's call of duty points in this game and see and, and in times like this the only thing you can really do is just fight back with your wallet i've bought every single Call of Duty game for the past probably the past 10 years because there's Call of Duty 2 Call of Duty 3 and then there's Call of Duty 3 a big big red one which is a PS2 game yeah and then they had Call of Duty 4 uh, 
Well, we yeah. don't really need to go through a whole well, breakdown, yeah. but the yeah, entire, you bought them because you love every them. Every single year they came out, I bought them, and I will not be buying this one because of that. And I'm not buying it for other reasons. It just doesn't look like a game that's for me, uh, and I've said that plenty of times. It's fine. I think the game will probably be okay. I just There's a lot of things that they're doing that I understand why people are upset with the decisions. Right. Uh, some so of them from a business standpoint, but... Um, Battlefield 2, come on out now. <clears throat> it's, just, it's one of those things where... When you see these games doing that, what happens? Because what we saw Call of Duty do at the turn of this uh, generation was try and breathe new life into the annualization by adding a new developer into the rotation, which gave an extra year of development time to every team working on a game. Right. In theory, and even to somewhat an extent, when you see the games released, you feel like you saw that. You're like, oh, yeah, I actually see that this this extra year helped. Yeah. The games actually looked decidedly different when they finally hit PS4. Exactly. Yeah. As you know, with with Advanced Warfare. Well, I was going to say Ghosts. No, because Ghost was a bridge. I know, but I'm just saying, even though it technically was on PS4, Ghost was a very murky game. It was a but PS4. Ghost was good. I didn't play it. Ghost was actually pretty... Like, that's a minority opinion. Opinion, I've, I've, I've noticed. But, you know, I know a couple people who want a sequel for that, so... That'd be cool. Um, I, I want a sequel for Infinite Warfare. Probably won't happen, but hey, we'll see. Uh, it's sad that all of these are the Infinite War games. Yeah, I... <laughs> There's not really a thing you can land like you can Spend do on. with a sequel on Infinite Warfare. I don't think. I, well, I think you could personally. Um, Maybe one one character, but I'm, it's not going to matter. Yeah, it's not going to matter. Um, <clears throat> but with that being said, there you're, you're seeing these three year development cycles that do help the games feel decidedly different, and you feel like the developers have more time to implement what they really wanted to see change in these games, and you see better iteration than you did when you was two developers bouncing with roughly one in a year half development time like one and a half year development times and now you're seeing a roughly two and a half year development time to the point where they're having to worry about getting the game shown and and you know before you get to the end where it's like we're going to show the game as much as possible and then it's got to go gold and get ready for release um so with all that being said i feel like that should have helped but depending on what happens here if call of duty goes back do you possibly see activision go back to the drawing board and give uh, what would it be? In, uh, it'd be Treyarch this time around. An extra year of de- development cycle? Do we start to see it be a new Call of Duty game every other year to try and help public opinion and try and help sales? Or do or do we see it, it all comes? Oh man, <laughs> no, I'm trying to fix this. Oh but yeah, you go on. <laughs> but you're gonna see, or do you see uh, in this situation if that happens? If they go to an every other year thing, do the Call of Duty fans who are the mega fans who actually make the game sell millions every year? Do you see backlash from them? Of course you do. Yeah, you do. Um, there's already in this three-tier rotation with them is that there's always going to be the person that's going to play Black Ops over Modern Warfare. Or well, yeah, it's just which studio you've kind of aligned yourself with in the long run. And see, that's where it's going to hurt is that if, like, let's say if they instead do longer cycles. So, like, let's say instead of every two years Black Ops 3 comes out or Black Ops comes out, it's now every three or four. Well, because right now a new Black Ops would come out every three years. Two years. Should be three, right? Two. With the three-year development cycle? If you go through Infinite Warfare, yeah, you're right, yeah. I always forget about Sledgehammer uh, as a contender now. Yeah, so... Because I forgot about Advanced Warfare being a thing, and then then it was... So Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 3... And now we're back to Sledgehammer with World War 2. And World War 2, yeah. So it is every three years. So if it went on every four or five years... Well, a lot of people say Black Ops is probably done. You know, definitely. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, a hundred percent sure that if if you know if Black Ops, I did not play three story, so I, I didn't. I, can't, either. I don't know. I, I don't know. You I, you only bought it for multiplayer. Yeah. Oh, Black wow. Ops. Dude, Black Ops is the best, in my opinion, some of the best Call of Duty multiplayer. Like though the people over there at um, I like Advanced Warfare more than any of it personally. Well, I, who is Black Ops developer? Treyarch. Treyarch. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. 
The people over there at, at Treyarch, they have the best multiplayer out of all the Call of Duty games. So that's why I know, and I know that. I I'm mean, not, you did play a lot of Advanced Warfare, though. That's true, but uh, we, yeah, we played have, we played very team. very little of Infinite Warfare. They, they, yes, very very little. Um, but a huge majority of people will only play Black Ops games. Yeah, so, I mean, and I, I guarantee that. you, Black Ops aren't done. And if they are, it's going to be a new Treyarch. Call of Duty, that's the same thing. Well, yeah, of course. So maybe, the, but the people will jump back to it because they're the Call of Duty vision that they align with the most. Right, and that could be the same in Grace. <clears throat> Which will naturally happen. Yeah. Not World War Two, not Boots on the Ground, or Boots on the Ground. You I know. don't know, because it, it gets to be weird because people still wanted Boots on the Ground, but that's not that's getting to Call of Duty discussion. I guess what we're going is, what happens, though? I mean, do we do we see even the last bastions of, and, and I'm, I'm going to say it outside of sports games, because I do agree with you. I don't think you see sports games ever yeah, deannualized. It's I, just I don't see it happening. I do think that eventually there mm. will be a change, and it will either be a change in which annual games like Assassin's Creed um, or well, Ubisoft game, for that matter. I or, hope Assassin's Creed is every other year now. Well, I, I, I was going to say. That's what I'm going with. If like, it's not, then there will be standalone or just big DLC in between. Maybe which could Maybe. be which could be wrong Maybe. because it could be taking you know resources from development team working on it, which makes that extra year is it like it's really only half a year because they spent you know half a year working on DLC. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's weird. Iffy, and would it be a different team doing the DLC? Would you want a different team doing the DLC? I feel like, I feel no. like you'd want the same team. Yeah, you because you want not. the DLC to feel like part of the main experience. Exactly to an and extent. That, and um, my whole thing is is that I would rather have and th- and we answered a question like this I think last week where if we would have one game per generation yeah, or yeah, yeah. three series and done I would le- rather have a game come out and then two years later a better version of that game come out which is typically what you see when right. we're talking about a series because that's what you saw with Resistance One Resistance Two yeah, Resistance Three see, that's what you saw every Killzone it, well Killzone was a little different you saw Killzone Two finally come out it was a big delay yeah. between one and two and then Killzone Three came out two years later roughly two or three years later because Far Cry uh, <laughs> Far Cry Primal came out last year right early or late last year I thought it was fifteen dang was it really. I thought so, but I very well could be wrong. It may have been six. Well, I was going to say two years on the development cycle for that to make a new one. And those oh, it games, would have been. It would have been because Far Cry came out February of of of, of sixteen. Okay, and the new one's not going to come out until February of eighteen. That's two so years. Two years, and those are those are pretty stand upish games. I haven't played four that much because I. But I thought Primal was a year after four. To be fair, and Blood Dragon was a year after three, but Blood Dragon was DLC. Yeah. Primal was a full standalone release, right? Which is weird, but um, also it was the style of release where it was a reskin almost because the game was not notably right. different than four in visuals yeah. or anything. Now that's that's how almost what the, the bridge between three and four was too, from what I hear. No, no, I mean I hear three and four are pretty much the same game. No, they're they're similar because they're both set in jungle environments that are you know because like two was set in Africa, so they're they're two was great. Two was great. I know, I agree. But no, uh, four was like building on the same idea, but it it did a lot different, yeah. and it and it was notably graphically way different. And they they introduced a lot of stuff that you saw in three, but they iterated on it in a good way. Yeah. Uh, whereas I don't even think that Primal was much iteration. It was changing in ways that worked with the timeline they had set, but it was still just if you took four, reskinned it, and made it make more sense within a primal setting and then that was it which Makes was sense. a great game i love the game yeah. i platinumed it but i'm just saying i'm more keen to see games that are like what i'm hoping is a big jump in five you know yeah but we'll so, see we'll see because three was a big jump from two in my opinion even if i love two yeah. three was a notable jump when you guys are like whoa well to not wear everybody out we've been going a little long um what do you think i i don't think we necessarily see the legitimate end of, of annualization. You just but, think it's going to be slow. It's a trickle almost. Well, because, I mean, you know, like we're saying, unless, uh, if Assassin's Creed does hold to this every other year, 
And then we see, or, or if they go back again, you're seeing what I want to call the last bastions of this annualization. Um, if you, if you finally see them drop out, I think that you'll see annualization really drop in video games. I don't think that you'll see new ones come out that are going to be annualized. I think right. they're going to try and let the industry have a break from it because it's been so long that we've had them. And see, I would actually, I may be a fan. I think it's, I think it all Assassin's Creed. I if, think it. Oh yeah, I'm interested in it. Yeah, I don't I've know where I stand on games, it except. Brotherhood. Brotherhood was okay. I played it. I mean, I, I beat it. I, I enjoyed it. Didn't necessarily want to hop into the next game right as soon as we were done. And I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game since, except for the Vita one, mainly because I wanted to A, see what a console-style Assassin's Creed would be like on Vita, and I just wanted to support the Vita. And it was an okay game. I beat it. It wasn't amazing, but it was a good example of quality on a on a handheld. But I think that every bit of this hinges, uh, on, in my opinion, it hinges on what happens with Call of Duty this year. If Call of Duty sees the modest sales numbers that, to an extent, Infinite Warfare was modest, but they expected it before any of the backlash with Infinite Warfare even happened. They expected a drop in Call of Duty sales. Yeah. Um, now, why? I don't, I don't ever remember I, the, seeing I why. Think the, the thing is the change in gameplay. I don't I know. They, I maybe maybe it was because they already knew what the game was, and they just wanted they they respect Infinity Ward and wanted them to make the game they wanted. The game still sold millions, but what is what at what point? Because because Infinite Warfare was still the uh, um, great best selling game of 2016 with only a month and a half on the market, um, which is impressive. Oh, of course, it's and a, it's a, it's a, huge it's a Call of Duty game. game. That's yeah. always true of Call of Duty, but it goes to tell you that no matter how much that game got hated on, at least it in the general media, really, really well. it was still a fantastic selling thing. game. Um, the thing about World War II, I guarantee you it'll people, do similar, but I, yeah. I just wonder because how well, many, how many years in a row? See, because if this game ends up being a problem, like the people who had problems with Infinite Warfare, how many years and how much of a hit to sales does it take for Activision to finally go enough? We need to do a break because I would, yeah, but I wouldn't have thought that same with Ubisoft. Maybe it's that Ubisoft cares more about their games, and they they're I, I don't know. I'm not saying that this is true, but we saw Ubisoft finally hit that raw, that wall with Assassin's Creed. We saw, yeah. but I would have never thought that would have happened. I, but it took Syndicate coming out and Syndicate still not being the performer they thought it was going to be for them to go. No, enough. We understand what we need to do. We heard what y'all are saying. We need more time between releases. We need to give this game more time to be more special. And see, and I if think- we see that with Call of Duty, and Call of Duty comes back in a crazy good way, I'd be happy. But at the same time, if World War Two is a great game and it's what people of the Call of Duty series want, and it doesn't necessarily flop sales wise even if it's not as strong as they wanted i don't think we see the end of it so i do think it hinges on exactly how well call of duty world war ii performs in comparison to how well activision expects it to perform if it goes well under what their minimum expectation is we may see that same wall hit by activision and see um i've always liked the premise of assassin's creed games they're just really clunky to me yeah same Uh, and i don't like the way that the climbing works it's hold a button and it, it'll scale that the building never, for that, you. That never I don't bothered like that. me. It was so much of just transitioning into crowds and stuff, and sometimes it's it's inconsistent with the way you'll be seen. But sometimes and, and sometimes the combat in. was this felt like it yeah. really clunky and so, weird to handle. So if they spent more time on that game, they'd find a new fan. I, uh, I will say, Origins Origins looks interesting. So yeah, I mean, if we can see the same, so the same perceived quality jump that we've seen with Assassin's Creed Origins to an extent. Um, in a Call of Duty game, I would be happy. But I just that's I guess that's just my end is. Everything in this, in my thoughts on this, is going to hinge on how Call of Duty does, and if we still see a strong sense of annualization in the industry. Yeah, yeah, because I've already heard complaints from the beta, but we'll find out how the sales really work. Yep. All right, so well, anything else you want to you want to mention? We all good? 
I'm ready for Mexican food. I'm ready for Mexican food, too. So we will see y'all next time on episode 29 of Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you, guys.